The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. Wow, what a day one. Seven winners out of seven. I mean, what a day for the Final Furlong Podcast. I have no idea. I'm recording this <laughs> two days beforehand, but we can be optimistic and say that we're just in case. Say that we're going to war with loads of the totes money as, as we go and fire back. Don't forget that the deadline for totes tend to follow. Royal Ascot mini game is midday Tuesday, so midday on Queen Anne Day. That's an incredibly kind deadline, by the way. So get your entries in. It's £5 or €5.50 per stable. There's also a free game as well. And 100% of the pool goes right back in. Joining us as we preview day two, alongside me, Emma Kennedy, you've already heard the arguably first lady of the Final Forum podcast, Miss Kate Tracy. <laughs> Hello, good to be back. The sun is shining, the Euros are on, England won their first game and Royal Ascot is coming up. So I am very happy and very looking forward to this. I watched that England game in a pub yesterday and uh, after, oh, well done. after an anniversary mass and cheered when Sterling scored, which is a very weird experience for an Irishman <laughs> who's a Liverpool fan to be going... Yay, well done, you turncoat. <laughs> but anyway, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, no, I was I was actually genuinely pleased to see England win. And uh, I'm, not well of, I'm not one of those bitter Irish people who would like to see them go out first. I don't get that. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I support Liverpool. It wouldn't make any sense to be like, eh, go in the first round. Um, a man who has no idea what we're talking about, uh, but will have great insight for the entire week of Royal Ascot, which is all live, like the Euros, on ITV, which is fantastic. They have all seven races per day live on ITV, so that's great, is Mr. Peter Fornital. Good to be here, and and you've got it all wrong. I'm a, I'm a big fan of world football. I was watching uh, the matches with uh, with interest over the weekend, an Italy supporter because of my heritage. I was actually doing a live stream during the, the, the first match and, and making loud noises at inappropriate times. <laughs> oh, Peter, just as happy as us then. Brilliant. In fact, maybe a little bit more. Well, actually, um, uh, this is something that didn't make it into yesterday's show, but I was being very nice about England. And out of nowhere, out of the blue, Delargy has a pop at me, which is fair enough. And then Tom Bull goes, yeah, by the way, um, when is the first Ireland game? I'm like, I was nothing but nice to you. And your team. And that's what you lay at my door? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah we, we stink anyway um 2.30 Royal Ascot Wesley Ward he's talking up his horses again as he always does um but to be fair as Pete has pointed out in the show before and pointed in the correct direction before often for the right reasons so Twilight Gleaming in day two opening race the Queen Mary over the blazing five furlongs uh representing Stone Street's stables. Uh, Aiden O'Brien is running yet, interestingly enough, with a first-time tongue-tie, and you can hear Aiden's thoughts on her and what she's like at home and what he made of her debut and what he thinks of her chances on the Royal Ascot preview with Aiden and Oshin Murphy, which was a huge success, and thank you for all the kind words on social media. That being said, are they bumping into a speedball here with Twilight Gleaming? Pete. This is one of the awards that I really like. Super impressive in that Belmont turf race. 
showing the customary speed, but also really finishing off the race. Fine Irish pedigree, we'll note as well. And I'm thrilled to see them turn up in this race, the one where Ward has had the most success. And I got a figure based on that is putting his best foot forward. Uh, the last workout was apparently very strong. I think it's all systems go for Twilight Gleaming. I wonder is going with Coffee Maker, um, who obviously got beat by the Acropolis, I think, in the Coventry, um, that he's kind of taking a free roll of the dice at the Coventry with Coffee Maker, because why not? I've got this horse to back me up in Twilight Gleaming. And that's kind of how I read what he was saying, because he, he, his stable tour, he was saying in the Racing Post, of all of the horses that I'm sending, this is the one that I'm most confident about. I think the positioning shows that there's been a lot of money for coffee maker in, in, in the Coventry. And I've been a little surprised the the speed figure from the race at Keeneland did not come back strong. And you might be surprised to know that historically the speed figure earned in these four and a half dirt races has been a pretty good pointer of how they'll perform at Ascot, despite how different the discipline is. But I'm a little bit nervous about coffee maker at the price. Whereas I feel like uh, twilight gleaming, really offers some value at the current numbers. Okay, so we're with Twilight Gleaming, who is currently a 7-2 shot, which is very fair. Um, but is Kate Tracy going to come in and spoil the party? No. And I, as I was saying there before we started recording, that I actually didn't realise that Mr. Peter Fornatar was going to be on the show here. And I thought, wow, that's my work. That's just pointless now, isn't it, for Wesley Ward's horses? Uh, yeah, just to echo all of the sentiments above with Twilight Gleaming here. And the fact that I agree with Peter as well, that I think that she's actually a bit of value at the head of a market here. And there's a reason she narrowly heads Timeform's ratings in this race and justifying the odds on favouritism, as just said at Belmont. And she was seriously impressive in that win as well, visually, at least anyway. Irad Ortiz didn't have to touch her. He barely had to flex the muscle there to get it, her to win by seven and a half lengths. Of course, we don't really know what the form amounts to as such because only the fourth place horse has been seen since and finished fourth again. But you couldn't help but be impressed by the way she did it. And it is interesting that Wesley Ward has only left her in the Queen Mary because on um, three separate occasions, she's had two runners in the race. The market has guided us in the direction of which horse was then going to feature in the finish. And of course, we only have a one horse to go on here with Ruthin uh, being cited for the Windsor Castle instead and was the anti-post favourite for the race. So I thought that was a very interesting move. But from what I read, it was because Twilight Gleaming was impressing Wesley Ward more so than Ruthin in their work since they've come over here. So you can take that sort of one of two ways, but I would take it more so in the camp that Twilight Gleaming comes here in cracking form and has really been impressing more so than Ruth and has been disappointing. And with Wesley Ward's previous Queen Mary runners, uh, they, they've also got outstanding figures, four from 13, a profit of £6.50 to a £1 level stake at SP. So nice. I think there's a fair amount of value about Twilight Gleaming here. And yeah, she does just look very fast, very impressive. And yeah, there, there's there's not really a way I'd want to be siding against her here, I don't think. Going for back-to-back wins after Campanelle's success in the race last mm-hmm. year. I'm going in with you as well. And it's no longer a blind thing either, Pete. It's not just like we're asking you for your view. Look at what Kate, and listen to what Kate has just said, the amount of detail that she's just gone into. We have all that access now to that information. I think the speed figure that you mentioned is very, very useful to us, and we should use that going forward um, for Ascot. But 
we're not playing blind anymore with these American horses. We can actually look properly at form. And um, they're all juveniles. They're all babies. Anything could happen. But we know what happens with these ones. And with good to firm, at least good, mm. good going. She should rattle off the ground. Queen's Vaz is a race that Aidan O'Brien has an outstanding record in, including a 1-2-3 in 2018. And fair play to him. He told us that it would be Q Garden's brother who led home that 1-2-3 in 2018. Words of worth who would lead the way, along with Kiprios. Um, Arturo Toscanani is always that Roy Delargue is very keen on, and um, he's in here as well. And he did step forward massively last time out on the day of my birthday, funnily enough. Uh, but I quite <laughs> like Kiprios, actually. I think quite, I think the Lingfield run was all wrong. Um, a mile six. So we'll let Pete take a step back for a second because Pete's fine. Pete watches National Hunt Racing. Pete could come on this show and talk about Cheltenham and talk about it in depth. But for a lot of Americans, and America is our third most listened to country. A mile six? My God, what the hell are you doing over there? <laughs> Wait till you see the Gold Cup, folks, on Thursday. That's going to blow your mind. Uh, the Queen's Vaz. Kate, take the lead. Who do you like? Yeah, well, I actually wanted to take on Wordsworth here. I wasn't taken with his most recent start at all. And I think I said that on the review podcast as well, because he had a high head carriage. And for we could dismiss that visually at first, but the way he flicked his ears around just didn't inspire me as a horse who was really pushing through with his finishing effort. And the eventual winner, Salukan, didn't have the most straightforward head carriage, but it still was better than Wordsworth. And I just wasn't taken with that listed race at all on the good ground. So... It wasn't even as though conditions were hindering the horse either. So I'm actually quite happy to see him as short as he is here because I want to be siding against him at this current price. And I'm not overly keen on the first three in the betting. For all that they have the right connections, should have plenty more to come. And I thought that this race was a good race to try and take them on. So one further down at a bigger price who really does have to step up himself, really does have to improve himself, but clearly has every bit of potential to do so is Kamari who only has the two career starts so far, both both of which coming this season as a three-year-old. Interesting to see him gelded prior to that debut after, here you go, here you go, Kenneth, this is a one for you, after costing 400,000 guineas as a yearling. Let's go! Being by... <laughs> I got more expensive ones coming, don't worry, but that is still well, quite a good start. Go! <laughs> Being by Dubai as a group three winning dam, also a half-sister to a St. Ledger winner in Milan. So the pedigree is there to suggest this step up in trip is fine for all it's quite a jump up by two and a half furlongs for his third start but he looks very smart capable of getting this trip hooded for his debut did well they'd finish second behind the four to six favorite at Newmarket. then having the hood taken off at yarmouth when running out an easy winner of a class four maiden and we know that yarmouth form isn't to be sniffed at at all when citing potential royal ascot winners by any means we've seen that in how many years now and bearing in mind the doubts I have about those ahead of the market, I think Kamari is worth chancing to take this step up in grade and trip. I like it. And uh, in experience, plenty more to come as well. Pete, for you. I'm gonna, you're going to accuse me of stealing uh, from your notes here, Emmett, because I, I felt like Kiprios was pretty darn interesting from where I sit. <laughs> Looks a bit overpriced. Uh, the race at Cork came back at a good time and maybe as simple as uh, not being suited by the soft ground last time. Kamari was another on the on the short list as well. But at the prices, I'm siding with Kiprios. All right. We're back in Kiprios, who's coming out of a, of a wide stall, which um, Rory was explaining yesterday and has explained in previous podcasts how important the wide draw can be, particularly when you're going around the 
going around a bend at Ascot. If you're going in a straight line, not necessarily, but if you're coming around a bend, like you will be in the Queen's Vaz, being drawn wide can be quite valuable to you. And I think the Pete said it. Um, so Pete and I are both on Kiprios. And a little endorsement from Pete for Kamari as well. So there you go. Kamari's coming out of stall three. But I think we'll be held up. So it shouldn't, mm. be, shouldn't be as much of an issue for him. Yeah. You referenced Sir Lucan. It's interesting that Sir Lucan's gone on a break. They're not, mm. they're not bringing him back to later in the year. So that kind of tells you something, I, I think. But we'll see. Uh, the 340 Duke of Cambridge stakes. Lady Bothorpe gave Palace Pier a bit of a fright or at least ran a monstrous race. But it's very, very short. And Kieran Schumacher is back on board after Oshin Murphy's exploits last time out. Uh, she's two to one. As short as 13 to eight. What? That's madness. Generally two to one with everybody else. But dear God, there's a major firm going 13 to eight. Cop yourself on. Uh, it's Royal Ascot. Queen Power, nine to two. Double or bubble 12s. And uh, Onassis, 14s. Lavender's Blue, Chambers Elise, 14s. Uh, double figure prices after that. Uh, Kate, Duke of Cambridge sticks. Yes. And unfortunately, I do think Lady Bothorpe is the most likely winner here. For all that she is a short price, but it's probably is a reflection of her chances realistically. Maybe not the 13 to 8, that's a bit mean. Uh, but she she's just been one of the stories of the flat season so far, this mare, hasn't she? She's fast becoming a fan favourite. And after gaining that gutsy win in the Group 2 Dahlia Stakes on her reappearance start, she had Queen Power, the reopposing Queen Power, ahead behind in second and who obviously with Queen Power we know came out and really impressed in a group two at York then on her next start in a very good time as well and so she will give her another run for her money you would have thought but Lady Bothop did her own brilliant bit of form boosting running an absolute blinder to finish second as you say by one and a half lengths behind Palace Pier and the Lockinge where she just, she just showed such a good attitude to find plenty for pressure, chasing the best miler in Europe all the way to the line. And it was just the attitude as much as anything to dig in that deep in defeat that we all loved. And she's just a proper hardy five-year-old mare, which is something, you know, they're worth their weight in gold. And with her winner, Ascot, over just shy of a mile in Group 3 Valiant, Philly's stakes last year. That should also stand her in good stead here. And I, I highly doubt she was flattered by her proximity to Palace Beer last time out because visually it didn't look like it at all. And we know the better ground, the better chance she'll have. Provided she can turn up here in the same form as those two later starts, she's very much the horse to beat. And I do think the market's got it spot on. However, there is one further down there who I do think is overpriced to at least compensate me for siding with the favourite here. In parents' prayer, you can side with each way. I, 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 on the review show, I spoke about this filly after Epsom last time out. I was really taken by her because they switched tact with the filly after running her at Lingfield on her previous start where she had taken a lead. However, at Epsom, she was really given a positive front-running ride for Machine Murphy, but she got out well, set perfect fractions, and then quickened away in a manner of a much-improved horse. And she handled the track so well in the process, but it was just a, it was running a really good time as well. It was run 3.06 seconds faster than the following race in the Group 3 Diamond Stakes, with the same weight being carried by parents prayer too, whereas she would have been carrying £3 less in the following race had she contested that. So... That was a really big run, um, and the mayor seemingly is just on the up um, with each of these runs. And as I said at the time, do not discount her at all. Step up and grade next time out. So I'm happy to see her here, and she should not be overlooked to run a big race, I don't think. Okay. Uh, I think that's a very, very fair shout. And um, you were very keen on her after Epsom. Mm. Holly Doyle on board for Archie Watson. Uh, what about yourself, my man, Peter Fornatel? 
I was very interested in Lady Bothorp for all the reasons uh, that have been laid out. The, the, I'm a little concerned about that 13 to 8 price. I'm hoping that doesn't become standard because that would mm-hmm. certainly make me want to go fishing in terms of prices. But it just felt like uh, that last bit of form was a, was a standout in this group. But if the price gets too short, there's just not enough difference between Lady Bothorp and, and uh, the, the, the two that reopposed from, from the previous run for me to want to get stuck in at anything less than two to one. In that case, maybe I'd make a speculative play on a runner like Double or Bubble, just trying to figure that we're dealing with a nice, improving four-year-old. The figures aren't really there to, to back up what looks like pretty decent form for me for Double or Bubble, but if we're dealing with a double figure price into the teeth of one of, of a favorite that's shorter than two to one, I could potentially go that way. So I'm keeping my options open so far in this one. Not, not one of my stronger opinions. Going to wait to see the market form a little bit more, see if we can find another angle on the day. But that's, uh, that's the, the, the short list for me would be Lady Bothorp, uh, maybe take a look at Queen Power and Lavender Blue, and uh, then maybe that idea on Double or Bubble. If Double or Bubble makes a nice impression on the day, one I could see taking a shot with at a double-figure price. I know, that, I know that Champers Lisa has been disappointing in her last three starts to a certain extent. She's mm-hmm. only beaten two and a quarter lengths, to be fair, at Newmarket last season. But definitely on her reappearances, she's been... She hasn't been quite there, but she has been running on soft, heavy ground. Mm. And I wonder if a return to firm, at least good ground, which we're pretty much guaranteed for the first two days, would bring out some improvement. And you can get 16s. Now, you'll probably get about two quid on, if we're honest. But you can get 14s, widely enough. So, um, yeah. Uh, but I'd be more inclined to, to lean in behind parents' prayer, probably. Sorry, Pete, but I'd probably yeah. I'd probably <laughs> lean in with um, just because I remember how keen you were on uh, on her performance mm. after Epsom. Uh, this brings us to the feature race of the day, and all the money is not for the defending champion, but for mm-hmm. the superstar of last season, Love, who makes her comeback, long-awaited comeback. Uh, it's kind of become a bit of a running joke in the show. We've talked about how many times they've entered her, how many times she's been withdrawn to the point that Roy Delarkey then said, I don't believe in love. Not, not the concept of the horse. Just like, doesn't believe that she exists. So we apparently, thought he was having an existential crisis. Now, <laughs> might be, who knows. Uh, Do we need an intervention? <laughs> but, but love is a very short price favorite. Uh, two to one is the best she'll get. Six to four is the general price about her. Lord North, the defending champion who we haven't seen since Maidan is five to two. And then Armory, who was very impressive at Chester and ran a massive race down under. Screw you, you Aussies. Uh, 100 to 30, <laughs> and the rest have got no chance. Is that fair enough, Pete? I mean, I wouldn't say no chance, but, I mean, that certainly seems to be the the short list. I'd give preference to Lord North just because I feel like you're, there's too much guessing um, regarding love at the top of the market, and is 10 furlongs going to prove to be optimum for love. Meanwhile, you've got Lord North and we know this is optimum. Uh, and uh, that win last year, a repeat of that would get the job done. Nice comeback race in Dubai. I just feel a lot more confident if I were going to pick one that you didn't mention or, or one that I'm certainly very interested to see um, how she gets on in here. Audaria 
first run back after the the Breeders' Cup. It's tricky, but I thought that was a very impressive run. And and look, I'm not saying I'm definitely going to back, but I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that she has no chance either. Well, to be fair, that was a massive run at Keeneland. So we should mention her. And she had very good form in France as well at Deauville and Longchamp. So, yeah, Dar- Daria is a shocking omission on my part there. Um, <laughs> Kate, for you. Yeah, it's really interesting, this race, isn't it? With I love making a reappearance start. And I would be wanting to take her on there. And as Pete just said himself, that this... 10 furlongs may not be optimum for her and you know even saw the great enable getting beaten in the eclipse then against horses well against gaff who was far more suited than the trip than she was and love i feel maybe similar and especially obviously i'm keen to see her if she does turn up here then but i am concerned that we haven't seen her since august and as you say she did have plenty enough races cited for her return and she just couldn't meet them which does give you a concern that there are a few setbacks along the way and you would love to see her coming here love like to see her coming here with a prep run at least under her belt but we don't have that so for all i think she's a superstar and i love her i want to see her win i will be taking her on at the prices lord north the biggest concern i have about lord north is the ground i just fear it's going to be on the lively side for him as as we know it'll dry out from the first day even anyway and for all he's the horse to beat on form here i would take this opportunity this time around to take him on at the prices as well so the one who i think is the one to be siding with is armory uh valido's other runner in here because he comes here already with a prep run under his belt as you said Emmett, winning that reappearance start at chester in the group two huxley huxley shit Huxley State. There you go. <laughs> Huxley Shark. <laughs> Stick me teeth back in, love. <laughs> but in that oh win. Sit my teeth back in. I've still got another podcast to go. Gee, goodness. Uh, yeah, when he justified six to five favoritism, had the reappose in Sangarius, three lengths behind in second, winning that 10 furlong contest well, considering a few of Aidan O'Brien's were running well, but looking in need of their first starts at the time. But Armory was one that could get the job done in good style regardless. And his form last season was solid, finishing second behind previous stablemate, so Dragon A and the Cox Plates. And prior to that, running a huge race to finish third at 66 to one in the Irish champion stakes behind magical and Gaeth where he was only beaten two lengths. So yes, he is a four year old. Now we probably do know where we are with him, but bearing in mind the doubts about those at the head of the market, this lad should appreciate the better ground again. And this could well be his time to strike and get his head in front with that reappearance win under his belt as well. I'm with you because I've already backed him. (laughs) Oh, well done. Mm. I think he's coming in here very much under the radar. And look, love could tear this field apart mm. because love could tear us apart. <laughs> I knew that was left, right? knew so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry at all. Uh, <laughs> look, look, people will look at this and say, hey, she's a Guinness winner. What are you talking about? But she did win over 12 furlongs and that did look to be her optimum trip. And we haven't seen mm. her since August. It's very difficult to get away from that fact. Like they didn't take her to the Breeders' Cup. They didn't go to Hong Kong. That was it. And she's missed every engagement so far. Mm. And there's still the backup of the Pretty Polly. Like the fact that she's still entered for that makes me a little bit nervous. So mm. Armory, this is his target. And um, Oshin Murphy was very confident about Lord North, but I would take both of your viewpoints. It, we haven't seen him since Maidan. Yes, he was very impressive there, but he's, he's a big, bulky horse, Kate. I think your point about the ground 
is is mm. a very fair one to make. And also, is this too long a gap? Like last year, it didn't necessarily count because you were coming in on this weird world. Um, and he'd been to, to Haydock. Um, so, yes, he's the defending champion, but I would be very much inc- inclined to take him on with Armory, who they thought a lot of as a juvenile. It just didn't quite happen for him um, as a three-year-old, but he came good down under, and um, they obviously decided to hold on to him, and I think it could be worth siding with him. So Armory is a best price currently 100 to 30, and of the market leaders, I think I actually might end up doing Armory Adaria. Reverse forecast. Box exactor. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Box exactor is three. Is that right, Pete? Yeah, you that need more than yeah, three for that. Balls, I've messed that up <laughs> completely. Oh, that's a different. That's different. In our in our thing, you can absolutely do a, a two horse box exactor. It just it's I like the same it. thing as a quinella. <laughs> but maybe this. it's different in the you. <laughs> no, I don't know. They're, they're no, no. This all comes from from our good friend Barry Faulkner, and I got torn <laughs> apart on this show. It doesn't Would bother me at all. Us? Torn apart on this show by Rory Dragi. <laughs> like you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> no, I remember watching the old original ATR with Barry Faulkner and he'd be on a box exacta in this race, which would be yeah. the one too. So yeah, the box exacta, that's what we're going for. Which means in either order, like a, like a Quinella does automatically, which is actually, if you're betting on the, in the, in the whirlpool, I'm, I'm not sure if there is an exacta. It might only be a Quinella if I'm remembering it. Now I could be shockingly wrong about that, but I'm most impressed that in your box exacta, Emmett, you're using Odaria, a runner you previously said had no chance. Yeah, exactly. See, I also flip-flop. Remember, I flip-flop a lot. And you made a very good point. So I flip-flop back to it there. And remember, I watched all of these horses this morning and looked at her win at the at the Breeders' Cup and was like, nah, not going to be good enough. But the second Pete said it, it was like, actually, I've been very insulting to her. She's got a big chance here. Um, let's knock out the front two and go for gold. Uh, speaking of the bets that you're going to be placing this week, uh, you have to be betting with Tosh. And... Look, obviously, we want to support the tote, tote, put their money back into racing, but they're also giving a massive incentive to you to place bets with them. And here's why, particularly this week. Pete just mentioned the Whirlpool. So you're going to have jurisdictions from Hong Kong. The Americans are going to be betting in, Australians. uh, The French are going to be betting in as well. There's plenty of other jurisdictions who are not going to be as informed as you, but it does mean more gravy in the pot. Plus, any bet that you place, win, place, exacta, box exacta, uh, place pot, whatever whatever tote bet you go for, 10% on top of your winnings with tote plus. But if you're betting with the tote on a partner site or an affiliate site, that's great. But you're not getting the tote SP guarantee and you're also not getting tote plus. So what are you waiting for? They're giving you free money. Go to tote.co.uk, tote.ie, or the official tote app. Tote plus 10% on top of your winnings. And when the Whirlpool is in play for Royal Ascot, you know they're going to outperform the SP the vast majority of the time. So get in. Tote.co.uk, tote.ie, or the official tote app, and bet with tote plus 10% on top of your winnings. That can make a massive Massive game change to your end of season. Uh, the Royal Hunt Cup is a puzzle that I'm fascinated to hear mm. solved by both Pete, but first of all, Kate. Finest Sound heads the betting at 10s. 
Uh, we've then got <laughs> for John and the TD Gosden, who's done well in this Amazing. race before. Um, thank you. Absolutely nailed that one. Um, <laughs> the Gosden Yard have done very well in this race in the past. Uh, Irish Admiral for William Haggis is around 12s in Magical Morning. You can probably get about 14s if you really shop around. Astro King, we should mention, because James Savage is on with us later on from the Sir Michael Stout Yard. Ryan Moore on board, uh, generally about a 14 to 1 shot. Uh, Kate, what's the solution? So for the Royal Hunt Cup, you really do want to be looking for those draw middle to high judged on recent years running of this race with Cecil for Bay coming from Sword 22 three years ago, bursting down the centre of a track. And then the second place source from that year, Afark, winning the following year from Sword 21, again with high draws being favoured in the places also, and leading Sandside Group from over a furlong out. And then last year, we saw Dark Vision threading his way through the pack on the oh Sandside. Yeah, that was that was unbelievable, really. Oh, that it was sickening, so it was, because I'd like, like, taken the piss out of him so much, and then and he comes up. After <laughs> <laughs> running into the back of every horse in the process as well. In, yeah. all, in mean, all fairness, <laughs> like, and listen, best of luck to Mark Johnston, but like literally the front page of the Racing Post said, I'm still dreaming about his successes. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And he sells him, makes a fortune to Godolphin and he was rubbish afterwards. And I just was like, Coolmore probably bought, bought Lope Fernandez for 900 grand based on what you said. And get off and spot this horse, and he's rubbish. And I kept saying this, and then he comes out and wins. <laughs> and well back to us, like, oh no, it's all come back to haunt me. Completely mugged you. Absolute nightmare. And you would have been so happy throughout that run as well. Oh, I was delighted with myself. And then he was, like, oh no, oh, oh it's just going to be too big of dark vision. Oh no. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Go on, Kate. Yeah, drawn in 11 as well, dark vision for that. Um, so middle, but then he he threaded through Sandside. And he, I mean, even in that win, Montathan finishing second from Stool 5, but he still came across to the Sandside, but challenged more towards the centre of a track, but still in that Sandside group. So you do really want to be looking for those drawn middle to high here, which is exactly what Grove Ferry is out of Stool 30 of 30 here. And he has intertwining form with those towards the head of the market because he finished eighth of the 18 in the Lincoln at Doncaster behind uh, Hakiki with Brunch in second. And in that run, Grove Ferry was giving the winner two pound, beaten six and a half lengths. However, off of a three pound lower mark last time out, he managed to gain a gutsy win at Chester in a good time to uh, on the good soft ground over seven and a half furlongs. And he's been put back up four pound for that win. But he's now six pound better off with Hakiki for that penultimate start. And with Hakiki weakening out things in listed company at Ascot last time out, that's enough to swing the value and grove Ferry's favour, I think. And especially when you take into account how good his Chester win from last time looks as well. With Julas winning at Goodwood on his next start, Kimran, who finished third, winning his next start at York, the fifth horse, Edge Tilab, finishing second on his next start, then winning at Epsom, the sixth horse, another Bats, winning his next start at first, and even the tenth and last placed horse, Ascension, bouncing back to win well at Newbury on his next start. So all the form is there to expect Bro Ferry to back his own win up and boost it further with another win, and he's a good price to go with it. And the other one, just at a bigger price to chuck in, you know, I, I was saying earlier about the expensive and more expensive one to side, to side with. Well, the natural horse that comes to mind. Please is say those me, Danny. Bats. 
It is. <laughs> I get him wrong so often, this horse, but he's enough of a price to chance uh, small stakes each way because he has a huge amount of talent when on a going day. He just isn't the easiest to predict. And every time I feel like I side with him, he disappoints. So hopefully this won't be one of those occasions. I think he can run a big race. He certainly appreciate, he'll certainly appreciate the quick surface. And for all his mark is high enough nowadays, he should still be good enough to run into a place. Has a good draw to boot in 24. So small states each way, Maidani, but the main bet's going to be Grove Ferry. Remind me how much Maidani cost. 1.3, was it? 1.35. 1.35 yep. million guineas mm-hmm. as a yearling. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's going to make all that back as a gelding now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but as you said, beautifully bred out of attraction by Dubawi. Um, no, mm. I, I quite like him actually. And I think that he's massively overpriced for Mark Johnston, who of course won this race last year with the aforementioned Derek Vision. Yeah. Oh dear God. Um, <laughs> and is beautifully drawn as well. So yeah, I quite like Midani. But I also am very much, very keen on... Um, the second horse that you mentioned, uh, Maidani's uh, 20s, and we're getting 16s about Grove Ferry. Mm. Follow that, Peter Fornatel. I went through the form here, and it was uh, one of, a, of two spots on this card where I felt a, a, little bit, a little bit out of my depth, and I decided to bring in the heavy hitter. So I reached out to Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today. Who had 32 minutes, 55 seconds for the Rob Dove mention, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK. Every time, every time. <laughs> well, I got to give props to my man. I mean, I half the, the only reason I know anything really about uh, racing in the UK is running into this random group of uh, pro punters circa 2006 at Cheltenham who took me under their wing and, you know, taught me how to uh, read international form. So I like to give props. But he made an interesting case for one that you mentioned, Emmett, in Astro King. Oh. Did pretty well to make up ground the last day. Uh, and should be more suited to a, a straight mile. I definitely see the points on this, and, and I think the price is right. A bit of a guess in a complicated race, but uh, that's where my money's going to go in the Hunt Cup. Okay, well, if it's coming from Rub Dove, to be, to be fair, all joking aside, Rub Dove is a bloody legend and um, is responsible for countless winners on the show despite never making an appearance on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive. That's a good ratio. It's, 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 it's bloody impressive. <laughs> Don't be offended. He doesn't come on my show either. No, he's no, no. no. Rob, Rob is a very, very private person, but he's more than happy to have his name thrown around as long as it's with the line, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK. Uh, so call ask, back to the old forum. The uh, old forum. The, that, the, yep. Betfair forum. The old days. Oh my God. I wasn't sure if we were allowed to mention Betfair. So I I'm it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Betfair are all good. In my, in my eyes, they're all good. I have no problem with them. They're all cool. Um, plus, plus, we've got loads of good friends still there too. But um, the old Betfair forum went mental after a while. Uh, yeah, Astro King um, for Sir Michael Stout and Ryan Moore. I think he can get 16s. Not for much longer, though, particularly if Rob Dove is placing bets. Uh, seriously. And he is actually coming into 12s. So, yay. Uh, you better act fast and act very, very fast. And um, you got two big price sources from Kate as well. We've got a, tri- we've got a TriCast here. Let's go with the TriCast. Astro King, Grove Ferry, and Maidani. 
Let's go. Hey, for next year's asking. Mm, damn trip, right. That, Combination that, that's that's yes. Yeah, let's go. We've got it. Yours might be a bit more expensive than ours, but hey, hey. <laughs> if she wants to cover it. And he is bound to be flying first class as well, because it's only first class <laughs> for the best. Uh, so we got Ruthen in the Windsor Castle Stakes, which obviously we're going to go first of all to you, Pete, and uh, favourite. Frankie Dettori, interestingly enough, is taking the booking here. Um, Johnny Velasquez is going to be on board Golden Bell. So the market is speaking in Ruthen's favour, but Golden Bell won as well. And uh, thanks again to Aidan O'Brien for giving us the exclusive that Al Mafi Coast would be his runner here. And um, I think he's being a little bit under underrated. Now, most bookmakers have gone eights about Al Mafi Coast, but there is one that is still dangling twelves. So if you can get it, take it. And interestingly enough, he also wears the first time tongue tie. Um, Aiden describing him as the showcasing out of the footsteps in the sand mare because he never mentions his juvenile's names. He always goes with the breeding mm. um, initially. But I was in, I was quite taken with how he spoke about him, and he comes in with a lot of experience. That being said, though, Pete, there are two here from Wesley Ward's yard. So take it away, my friend. I'm thinking the market has it right. Ruthen to me has looked the more impressive of the two. And it sounds like the reason she's here instead of, uh, instead of with, uh, with uh, the, the, her stable mate, Twilight Gleaming earlier on is simply the Twilight Gleaming worked a little bit better than her. And I think it's just a case of he's so bullish on, on Twilight Gleaming that he decided he wanted to separate the two. But Ruth had made such a good impression, easy winner on the turf at Keeneland. The figure wasn't as good as some of the wards ran later on at Belmont, but that also might just be the, the five or six weeks earlier that, that she came out. I, I think she's really good, and I'm very interested in her. As far as Golden Bell, I don't get her as much. Uh, the figure was was just okay in the dirt race. There is plenty of turf on the damp side of this pedigree. I suppose it would be no surprise the the booking of uh, Johnny V certainly eye catching, but especially this year, you know, he's going over to to he had to quarantine for five days to to ride it all. He's going to pick up pick up any mount he can. I'm not going to read too much into that. I feel like Ruthen is extremely logical in this spot, and, and I'll have at least a token wager on her. Okay, Ruthen is definitely going into some sort of lucky 15, lucky 31 combination multiple. Let's head to Dubai, but um, based on that confidence. Uh, that being said, what do you like, Kate? Yeah, no, I am of the same opinion. I mean, realistically, uh, I mean, Pete, how many winners are you expecting Wesley Ward to go home with? I mean, the way it's racing, right? So if I were to set a line, I'd probably put it at one and a half. You know, yeah. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he didn't get one. And I think he's quite likely to get two. And he certainly got a chance to get three. Um, mm. But we'll also see what kind of form the barn is in and how much how much this ground affects proceedings. And, and what the wind is like, too, becomes a big thing mm. for the ward team because they – typically all have so much speed if, if a headwind picks up that that could hurt them so there's a, there's a lot of guessing but that's where i'd put the line i'm gonna back at least three of them yeah i was gonna say yeah i think that's because sort of looking through his runners I, I was of the mindset of of two so I'm, I'm taking a lot of confidence in you saying the one and a half but siding with 
three of them. I mean, he thinks that it was, what's he called again? Coffee maker? Coffee, coffee maker. maker. <laughs> you got it. Coffee, coffee maker. maker. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was fairly British about him. And, uh, but I do still think that these two on the Wednesday at the head of a market in the Windsor Castle and the Queen Mary do look really nice fillies. He should be pretty hard to beat in these as well. And yeah, as Pete said, the fact that they're choosing side of Twilight Gleaming over Ruthin for the Queen Mary, as I was saying earlier, you could take it one or two ways, but I would also be of a mindset that he is just very bullish about Twilight Gleaming as well. So, I, but I do think that Ruthin should still be good enough to win to win this, and especially because she was the antipost favourite for the Queen Mary. But really impressive the way that she bolted up then on that debut start at Keeneland. And she's a daughter of Ribchester, who's had a decent start to his selling career so far. His first season as a sire, a couple of good winners so far, and Ruthen being the only one, though, to win on debut, which does make her interesting should she improve from that debut start as the other winners have done. And considering Ribchester's Ascot record himself, where he ran there three times, won two of those starts, finished second on the other uh, in the QE2 behind Minding. So that should, um, she should take to this track on that basis, you would have thought. And she was just really impressed on that debut start, running out the sixth length winner. So she should be quick from the gates, as we know Wesley Ward's juveniles are, and may not be for catching. So yes, Ruthen for me as well. Okay, we're all going Ruthen then. We're all just going to plow in. And instead of waiting till the end... Let's just ask you now. You said you're backing three, Pete. I presume that means you're backing the, the favourite in the Queen Mary. You're backing Ruthen. Who's the third? I'm interested in Nakatomi a little bit. I, I, that was a very fast speed figure, and the market was just not that coming for Nakatomi in the same way. I think the other the other ward runner in that race was getting all the hype. But again, using that same idea of just trying to use the speed figures as a pointer to how they're going to do here. The Nakatomi race was really fast. That was the fastest of the ward juvenile numbers before uh, Twilight Gleaming came back in that second run at Belmont and put up that, that number in the high 80s. Two questions for you. Any concern that he's been gelded? So it's a first time gelding operation and that Johnny Velasquez has chosen Lucci over Nakatomi. It's, it's not great, um, but I think that's, you're getting compensated in price. I'd say, uh, I'd say it's as simple as that. The gelding doesn't, gelding doesn't really bother me at, at all. The, the, the GRV choosing the other runner definitely, and Lucci looks pretty solid. Uh, that, there's probably some signal in that, but I think you're being more than compensated for me in terms of the price. And Oshin Murphy more than compensates for Johnny Velasquez as well. Um, although probably on board due to his connection to Qatar Racing and being first jockey for them, but still a uh, terrific jockey booking for them. So that's in the Norfolk Stakes, which is on the Thursday and uh, blazing five furlongs. And yeah, I think he'll be very interesting. Be very, very interesting. So it'll be the opening race on the Thursday on Gold Cup Day. Um, so we're all just plowing into Ruthen. And uh, let's go on Malfi Coast for the box exacta. Screw you, Delargi. I was right all along. I bloody knew the it. <laughs> Delargi's not even here to defend himself. He'll be on that later on. And we'll be giggling and he won't know why. Um, anyway, the last race. Uh, Pete, what's the reaction in America to Royal Ascot learning from last year, deciding, yeah, let's go with seven races per card, but changing it, not having it start early back to the original 2.30 start and having this twilight race at 
Oh, it's fabulous from our point of view. It, it mm. just brings the racing more into the window when we're accustomed to uh, to wagering. And 9.30 still plenty early for us to get going as well. So, I mean, I think it's a case of the more the merrier. This is a meeting that's picked up real steam over the last few years, especially with the, the fine job uh, NBC has done oh, picking brilliant. up and adding to the international feed. I, I think that this is a change for the positive as far as the USA market goes yeah uh, i think nick is pretty pleased about it and um nick of course will be the anchor for nbc for the week and will be crushing it as as always you can watch the nbc feed if you would like in ireland or the uk there are ways of doing that but i'm not going to tell you well actually no i can what's the name of that site you just download normally i wouldn't have been able to say this in the past because they'd be like no you can't say that because uh, sky sports blah 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 uh, we don't want people not subscribing. Uh. There's um, there's something you can use on <laughs> Apple TV and Chromecast. You know it. You know it. You know how to get it. Just Google it. You'll get it. You'll get it for, for fine. Um, but I do a think colorful bird. Is there? Is it an app that rhymes with yeah. a color? Not rhymes with, but it resembles a colorful bird. Well, is there there is Peacock. To? Yeah, and just change your just so Peacock is NBC's streaming service. So just change your VPN to America. Log on to Peacock and watch Nick Luck. For the, for the week. There you go. Done. Um, I do probably suspect that when this news came through, that Ollie Bell went, oh my God, and just collapsed on the ground. Because that poor man has to do the opening show and then this. And it ain't no fun when it's 30 degrees and you've got all of the racing to cover. Cheltenham, five races, and you're out. Gone. <laughs> Six and a long day in sweltering heat in that bloody get-up where you're not allowed to take off your hat or somebody will come over to you. You please leave, sir, without making a fuss. <laughs> it's, oh, and I love you, Ascot. I love you. Favorite race course in the world. Dear God, man. Dear God, it's going to be a long day for Ollie and the team. Um, my thoughts are with you. Seriously. They don't even have a hammock for him to have a nap in. Like, I would need a nap. <laughs> you just have to do the opening show and then stay there. Uh, and just die a slow death in the heat. Oh, my God. Anyway, Kensington Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just am thinking of it from a broadcaster's perspective. And poor Ollie. I'm just picturing him in a, in a hammock now. He's up at 6 a.m. He's up at 6 a.m. To be on the royal enclosure in a hammock. Don't mind him. Yeah, stay away from him. Brand, Brando somewhere in the back is going to stay away from him. Leave him alone. He don't don't touch him. Um, have a great week, Ollie and team. Uh, my thoughts are with you. My God, and please don't do anything about a Scott check again this year. Uh, right, the uh, the market lights on, and for our last race, uh, Ryan Moore is on the favourite for Sir Michael Stout and um, Chiefly Park. So it's the old team. Uh, teaming up again uh, 11 to 2 we've got the Dream Loper for Oshin Murphy our good friend Oshin who was on with us again uh, 8 to 1 uh, So I Told You for Joseph O'Brien 17 to 2 Stunning Beauty for Saeed Bin Saror with Sylvester D'Souza on board because obviously uh, it would be idiotic to put James Doyle on I mean he's he's just why why am I being thrust with this kid James Doyle he doesn't know anything Jesus, Saeed, just put him back on your horses, for God's sakes. The man's a world-class jockey. Uh, Pete Fornatel, who wins the last? 
This was the other one where I reached out to uh, to Dove. Uh, for the record, I'll, I'll have my VPN fired up. And at the risk of sounding like I might have a career in politics here, Emmett, I'll have the VPN on one TV where I will be watching uh, Alex and I'll have the other TV with the local NBC feed watching Nick. So you have, have one VPN on Nike. for Sky and Alex and Jim McGrath and the team. You're going to have just your basic, your, your actual cable package with NBC. I can't. They're all here. I feel, I mean, I'm so lucky that, that I can say at this point that uh, everyone involved is a colleague and I want to see how they're, I want to see how they're all doing. We'll just, we'll just go back and we'll do a little bit of back and forth. Great. The, as you just, for the you did land yourself in it though. You didn't say anything about Ed and ITV. And now Ed is like, <laughs> well, screw that guy. <laughs> no offense to the ITV coverage. I don't, you know, I've worked a little bit with Ollie, but I don't know that team. Uh, I don't know that team nearly as well. And I don't have a third, uh, I don't have a third big screen here on the desk in the Brooklyn Bunk. We'll have to work on that. Well, we'll I like that idea. We'll have wall to wall coverage. Oh yeah, this. and the Euros as but well. Anyway, who wins? That's right. We got to got to worry about that too. Um, uh, this was another race. I reached out to Dove. He made an interesting case for Waliak. Uh, th- this one been running over ten, held up off slow paces. Could do better with the turn back and distance off a fast pace. Uh, she made a big move into the race last time before fading. I thought it was an interesting case for one. Uh, should be a bit of a price in in uh, the nightcap. You can get sixteens. I think yeah, sixteen. Your twenties is gone. 20s is gone. Rob Dove has obviously just decided <laughs> I'm getting this before he tells everybody on the Final Forum <laughs> podcast. So, uh, yeah, uh, 16 to 1 about uh, Waliak is the best price. Um, you got to go and do another 10 podcasts today. So what's your best bet of day two? I'm, I'm super excited about Twilight Cleaning. I'm going to keep it simple. Okay. What's your best bet of the week? I haven't done the form for everything yet, but I'm, I'm, I mean, Twilight Gleaming, I'm probably going to end up betting as much on as, as anything. So I could keep it real simple and go there, but that's a little disingenuous in that I haven't like doped out the rest of the days yet, but okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable uh, saying twi- Twilight Gleaming doesn't go well. It could be a long week for Ward. I, I really, I, I really think Twilight Gleaming is, yeah. is the one I want. A long week for all of us. If that one doesn't go in, to be fair, <laughs> Tesco noodles for the month. Uh, and Nakatomi, of course, you've talked up as well. Uh, go run, be free, my man, be free. Uh, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, hopefully we'll chat to you on one of the review shows. And um, just enjoy Royal Ascot. I love it. I can't wait. I'm going to be listening to all of your shows this week with great interest and and always a pleasure uh, working with you guys and and picking up all kinds of good stuff. Have a great week and we'll be talking soon. And have a great week. Thanks so much. In the money. Have a great week. In the Money Players podcast is where you will find our man, Peter Fornatel. The guy's an absolute hero. And um, just hear Kate's voice. He's just, he just makes you feel good. Um, Mm. So Kate, definitely. with that in mind, Rob Dove has given us the winner of this race. Uh, are you in agreement? <laughs> yeah, this race. Oh my goodness, I found this really, really tricky to solve, and especially because we have no previous stats to go on because it's the first running of this race. Yes. So I can't even hark back to anything to fit a mould by any means. So it's going to be a historic win for whoever gets ahead in front here. And because I found it difficult to solve, I'm siding with the value here, and that value is represented by Lola Showgirl. Now, there are plenty of candidates to make their Royal Ascot breakthrough this year, and one such person I think can get even closer than last year 
is David Lochnan and who almost did it last season when training Caroline Gale to finish third at 100 to 1 in the Queen Mary. But he has two chances in this race, Lola Showgirl and Fionn, who are similar prices here. But I'd, I'd marginally favour Lola Showgirl, who has only been given a £2 rise for her win last night at York when gamely winning a men's amateur jockey's handicap over seven furlongs on soft ground. And of course, that form can always be taken with a pinch of salt. But at the same time, the handicapper can often take a similar view of such a win, which can very often play in your favour uh, because of because of the um, of how much they get put up and well, the lack of a, of an increase then in their mark. And that latest start was also a reappearance start, and there should be more to come from her. And I remember seeing her last season and saw her win at Chepstow, and when analysing that form at the time. I took a dim view of it, but that reappearance start was a marked step up on anything she had shown previously. And improvement as a four-year-old might well stand uh, in even better stead here. And especially with Laura Pearson taking her five-pound claim off the Phillies back too. And Laura Pearson may well be another one to come here uh, on on the back of a great time of things and make a Royal Ascot breakthrough herself. So I thought Lola Showgirl probably represented the value, but otherwise... I'd be siding with the class angle of light on here or lights on here to be the class act in a handicap, but she's at the head of a market and I've already sided with too many shorter price runners on Wednesday. So I can't do it again here. <laughs> I, I like that. Just pure. By the way, what the hell just happened? Wally act just went a sea of blue 14s. Oh my God. Who is tuning in? Pete clearly just went. I just told the team on the final 11s. Oh my God. This is, this is like the stock market. This is like watching... He's pressed to send in the WhatsApp group now. It's like watching... Just it's like watching Bitcoin just <laughs> collapse in price. And go, thank God I didn't invest there or got out when I did. Um, okay, so Lola Sugar, uh, Laura Pearson, as you are saying, it could be a first Royal Ascot win for her. Her only book to ride so far... I think 23 wins this season and a very valuable five-pound claim. And Waliak is a mm. very, very strong fancy uh, for Rob Dove slash Peter Fornatal. Who's your best bet of the day, Kate? Grove Ferry is going to have to be just because of the price behind him as well in the Royal Hunt Cup. Yeah, Grove Ferry will be the one. I'm going to shock and awe people. Armory. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree with you there. Days. It would have been too easy to go with the Wesley Ward horse, particularly when Pete's done that. And it also means we've given you a patent. So go to war with the patent. Uh, I could maybe we'll do a lucky fifteen, and we'll we'll throw in um, a horse that I, I genuinely do really like in Kiprios. And I think Aiden actually mentioned Kiprios first in the interview. He he said the horse who was beaten in the Linfield Derby job. Kypros, Kipros, whatever the hell he's pronouncing. I think that's the horse you mentioned first, and then Hugh Garden for Wordsworth, who I'm more zombie. So, yeah, mm. Kip- Kipros is 16th. And um, that gives us a, a lucky 15. Let's go! Let's go! Uh, that's it. Kate Tracy, a pleasure, as always. Mm-hmm. And very much looking forward to chatting to you a little bit more about Royal Ascot uh, later on today. Mm. More work. Let me get on that, yeah. More work to do. <laughs> um, so, from Kate, Peter Fornatal, uh, one of the UK's top 10 pro punters, Rob Dove. Uh, 
Why am I getting all these WhatsApp messages? What's going on? Uh, and uh, and me and Kennedy, thank you very much for listening. Uh, more Final Forum podcast, while Ask Up previews coming your way very, very soon. So keep an eye out on the uh, wherever you get your podcasts and um, retweets, appreciate it. Uh, likes, shares, whatever it is you like to do. Really appreciate it. Enjoy Royal Ascot. Enjoy the day. Hopefully, we've had another seven winners. Talk to you tomorrow. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk.